0: Amen. Well, we continue our series tonight in the book of 2 Corinthians. So if you want to turn there, we're going to be reading in chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. College Church, hear God's word. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. to please him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This is God's word, Amen. Well, in 1974, undefeated heavyweight boxer George Foreman battled Muhammad Ali in what has been called the Rumble in the jungle. And Foreman was known as the hardest hitting boxer in the business. And he was a heavy favorite. But through training and a unique strategy, Ali decided to take hit after hit to his body to wear down Foreman. And guess what? It worked. Muhammad Ali took body shot after body shot and was finally able to knock out Foreman In round eight, Muhammad Ali won and was known as the greatest. His body was strong and his mind was sharp. But not more than 10 years after that duel, this physical specimen was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And that had tremendous impact on that same very body. So, a body of strength quickly became a body of decline a body that could take dozens of punches from george foreman became a body that probably struggled to write a letter then his declining body just like every other body that will do he he breathed his last in 2016 why do i why do i bring this up i br- i bring up this trajectory simply to highlight the reality that we all know all too well because no matter how strong a body is internal or external causes will eventually lead a body to decline and fail even if your body is strong enough to take punches from George Foreman you see tonight Paul has much to teach us about life in the body I wonder how you relate to that idea the body some are obsessed with the body idolizing it doing anything to keep its decline at arm's length some are discouraged in their body feeling pains and frailties minute by minute some have a hatred of their body wishing it were something different some are confused in their body experiencing what could be said as an incongruence between mind and body and experience. I wonder how you relate to the idea of the body tonight. Well, in this passage, Paul leans into these hard realities and he names it this. He names it groaning. And he describes it as being burdened. Are you groaning tonight in this body Are you burdened by it in some way? And if not your body, are you burdened by the decline of those around you? Well, Paul writes to give us hope. But it's not hope about this body. It's hope about a body that awaits us. A resurrection body for all who receive the genuine gospel of Jesus. You see, we're not alone in our own understanding of frailties and weakness in the body. Paul knew that all too well in his own body. Paul describes how his body was afflicted. He was perplexed. He was persecuted. He was beaten down. He was near death. He was full of anxiety for the churches. His body was breaking down, as this letter describes, all over the place. Paul had much to grieve over because of his body. And he had many reasons to give up. Why didn't he? Well, Paul knew that God was actually doing something in and through his bodily afflictions. We learned earlier in chapter 4 that his body and life was described as like cracked clay. But his cracked clay allowed gospel light to shine through to others. God was doing something through his bodily afflictions. He says that God was doing all of that so that others would come to know and hear the gospel message. But God was also doing something in Paul himself. Last week we were reminded that though his outer self was wasting away, he was being renewed day by day. God was doing something in him through his bodily afflictions, gospel advancement, and inner renewal. And so he did not lose heart. And the same can be true for us. In our text tonight, we find a third motivation that can keep us going. And it kept Paul going through the groaning and through the burdensome nature of our bodily existence. I think Paul is aiming to teach us in this text this, that a new body awaits us, so please Christ in this body. He's trying to put in front of us in verses one to five, this picture of a new body that awaits all who receive the gospel. And in light of that in verses six to 10, to therefore please Christ in the bodies that we have right now. So those are our two movements, a new body that awaits us in verses one to five. Let's look there. See, here in these verses, what Paul is doing, he's poetically describing the hope that he has in the gospel that he preaches. It's the hope of a new resurrection body in the life to come. A new body awaits. How does he describe it in verse one? Well, he describes it as an eternal building. He says, when the tent, which is this body, His earthly home now is destroyed, namely, when he dies, he has a building from God that awaits him, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What Paul is describing here is the transformation of the body that comes to all who receive the gospel. The body now is a tent. And if somebody knew tents, it was Paul. Paul was a tent maker. And here we have tent portraying something that is temporary, something that is vulnerable, something that is insecure. So the tent of our body now, our existence here and now, can also be described as a temporary nature, vulnerable, insecure, I think it could also allude to here this this image of the tabernacle, the tent of Israel in the Old Testament, this portable tent that Israel had for the dwelling of God's presence. But the tabernacle was temporary and it would give way to the temple, a more permanent structure for Israel. So here we have the body that awaits Paul at the consummation of all things is an eternal, permanent building. Sturdy, strong, lasting, not subject to the elements. Not an earthly body, but a heavenly one. And it is God himself who is the architect of this building, building it according to his liking. A new body awaits From an earthly tent to an eternal building. Years ago, I was camping with a bunch of high schoolers and some adult leaders, and midway through the weekend, one of the leaders looked at a weather radar and he saw a massive thunderstorm heading our way. And so we took a moment and we looked at our tents and we realized we had no tarp of any kind. And we imagined sleeping in a cold, wet, windy thunderstorm in a frail tent with a bunch of smelly high schoolers and no real protection from the elements. And then we took a moment and thought about a nice warm bed in a nice strong house with no smelly teenagers, full of protection from the elements. And the decision was easy. (laughs) The house... Far exceeded the tent and we hopped in the car and we went home. (laughs) A new body awaits all who receive the gospel message. How much more when we think about an eternal building in comparison to this earthly tent that we have. The body, this body, will be transformed into that kind of body, an eternal building. Paul's teaching us the tent of the earthly body is actually not the end of the story. That's actually a comforting word for many, I believe. This this frail tent, as Paul would call it, this frail tent that we inhabit, one day, if you are in Christ, will be utterly transformed. So what is weak now will be strong then. What is temporary now will be eternal then. What is vulnerable now will be indestructible then. And God is the architect. And he's going to transform this tent into a stunning, eternal building. But I think it's not only a comforting word. I think this is a correcting word for others. This body, this earthly body, is not the end of the story So therefore, our hopes should not be placed in this earthly tent. We should care for our bodies. They're made by God. They're given by God. But we must not idolize them. We must view them as Paul does, a temporary tent that will one day give way to an eternal building. If you are in Christ tonight, a new body awaits But he continues on in verses 2 to 4, kind of mixing metaphors from architecture to, to clothing. And it's not only an eternal building that awaits us. Paul is teaching that we will be more fully clothed. Paul is very honest about life here and now in this earthly body. It is groaning. It is burdensome. But for Paul, this groaning in verses 2 to 4 is less a longing for this body to come to an end and more a longing for the new body to arrive. Paul wants to put on an eternal wardrobe to be more fully clothed than he already is. He does not want to be found metaphorically naked. See, what he's doing in these verses, he's comparing being without a body... With having a body. To be found naked is to be found without a body. And some of the philosophy of Paul's time would have actually viewed death as a stripping of the body from the soul, freeing the soul, no longer enslaved to the body. That's nakedness, and Paul wants none of it. Paul hopes to be more fully clothed, and he believes and knows That in Christ, this body that he has and that we have will receive an eternal heavenly wardrobe, more fully clothed. He even says in verse 4 and describes it that the, the mortal will be swallowed up by life, resurrection, immortality. A new body awaits, an eternal building. Also described as being more fully clothed. What is this teaching us? Well, I think it's teaching us that we need to think about the body, that the body is good. The body is made by God. Even though it is frail and weak, it is good. And the Christian hope is not that death gets rid of the body. The Christian hope is a transformation of the body when Christ comes again. So whatever groaning you might be experiencing, whether it's pain in the body, discouragement in the body maybe it's challenges that you're facing those who are in christ now will one day be more rightly and fully clothed a new body that will be a perfect fit a new body awaits and in verse five he's teaching us even more that that christians have the down payment already of this future hope God pouring out his spirit in his people. God is preparing these realities and assuring us of them, encouraging us in them, and inaugurating spiritually the new life that will one day be experienced physically in the new heavens and the new earth. God gives his spirit to give his people confidence in the future promises of God. And God gives his spirit to us so that we could even experience the promises that await us even now, spiritually knowing them. God's work is already underway, and when he comes again, he will bring it to completion, an eternal building, being more fully clothed, resurrection, resurrected bodies. This reality awaits all who believe Paul's gospel message in the here and now. Have you believed that message? Have you believed Paul's gospel that gives eternal hope of a new body with the Lord for all eternity? Paul's gospel is this, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of which every one of us are. That Jesus came and died on the cross in the place of sinners. He was buried in the grave, and yet God raised him up on the third day, defeating sin and defeating death, swallowing them up with resurrection life. And all who repent and trust in Jesus not only find forgiveness, but receive the hope of resurrection bodies that await. Do you believe that gospel message? If you do, this hope of a new body awaits you. The burdens of this existence and of this body cannot be dealt with in any other way than with the eternal hope found in the gospel message. The God who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us in our bodies if we trust in him in this life. And if you already have believed that message like Paul did, how did Paul respond. He longed. He longed for the new body, for the resurrection, to be with God for eternity. We have much to complain about with these bodies and wrestle with and deal with. But Paul is teaching us that new bodies await us, and we should long for that. We should long for that building made by God. Meditate on the new creation existence that awaits all who trust in Christ. To pray for Christ to actually come again. Paul's words remind us of the promise of one day receiving a new heavenly body made by God. From tent to building. From old to new. From groaning to glory, from clothed to more fully clothed, mortality to immortality, burdens to blessing, earthly to heavenly, temporary to eternal, a new body awaits. Verses 1 to 5, and when we know that a new body awaits us, we're actually helped To face what is right in front of us. Verses 6 to 10. Because a new body awaits, please Christ in this body. What we know about the body to come should motivate us to please Christ with courage in our bodies now, just as it did for Paul. Do you see that in verse 6? So we are always of good courage. So in essence, therefore, in light of all of this great hope that he's been reflecting on of a new body and the presence of the spirit at work in him and in us, Paul had courage and we too can have courage in face of trials and hardship in our body now. We can, like Paul, continue to live for Christ and advance his gospel while we are at home in this body. That's what he tells us in verse six, and he even repeats it in verse seven and eight. But being at home in this body means being physically away from the Lord. So what Paul is saying as he sums it up in verse seven is that when we are at home in this body, we are not yet physically with the Lord, we're not with him, although we're with him spiritually, that we are in the realm of faith. And we are walking by faith in the promises and in the things that are unseen. One day, they will be sight. But until that day, we walk by faith in the promises God has given us. So Paul carries on by faith in what is unseen, trusting that one day he will be face to face with his Savior. So Paul's desire, though, In verse 8, very clearly describing that his desire above all things is actually to be at home with the Lord. It's interesting. He seems to be describing in verse 8 the death of a believer before the second coming of Christ. Because at the second coming of Jesus, that's when bodies will be raised and they will dwell with God for all eternity. But until then, when believers die, their souls go to be with the Lord in his presence waiting for the day when their bodies will be raised again. But what he's teaching is that the hope of the resurrection gives Christians great courage in this life right now to walk by faith, not by sight, desiring to be at home with the Lord above all things. So without without minimizing the groanings that we experience in our body And the challenges that we face of following Jesus, without minimizing that in any way, Paul is motivating us to keep on going. So it's this, because a new body awaits us, because the spirit dwells in us, and because one day we will be with the Lord, we can courageously carry on knowing that whatever we face in this life is not the end of the story. We can have courage In this body. May that be so of us. But Paul's greatest desire (laughs) must be our greatest desire even in this life. More than anything that Paul wanted to get done for Christ in his body, Paul wanted to be with Christ. He wanted to enjoy fellowship and intimacy and see Christ face to face. He wanted to be with Christ and now he is. Is that your greatest longing? Is your greatest longing as you go throughout this week that you would want to be with Christ, see him face to face? Well, this text is pointing us towards that, to have courage to live for Christ in the body now and to desire to be with him above all things. But finally, in verses 9 to 10, this text is driving us toward a renewed commitment to pleasing Christ in this body. Why? Well, he gives us a motivation in verse 10. He says we should make it our aim to please Christ for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. See, Paul He seeks to do good in the body and sought to do good in the body by advancing the gospel because he knew that one day his life would come before the Lord and he would stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now for the Christian, this judgment seat is not one of condemnation. He's written elsewhere that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But this judgment seat is one of evaluation or commendation. Let me just read a a, a few verses from his previous letter in 1 Corinthians because that helps us understand what's going on here. Paul said this, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. he will suffer loss, though himself will be saved, but only as through fire. See, it's not a a judgment seat of condemnation, but one of evaluation, of commendation. And this is motivating Paul, in light of that reality, to actually give himself fully to pleasing Christ and doing good rejecting evil and doing good advancing the gospel in verse 11 even teaching us as we'll hear more next week aiming to persuade others of the gospel so just like paul we need to make it our aim in this body to please christ to please christ how can we do that well we can make it our aim to please christ by rejecting evil We can make it our aim to please Christ by doing good in the power of the Spirit. We can make it our aim to please Christ by seeking also to persuade others of the gospel. We can make it our aim to please Christ by laying down our lives to imitate Jesus. We can make it our aim to please Christ by using our means to care for the body of Christ. We can make it our aim to please Christ by extending to others the grace of Christ that we have received. We can make it our aim to please Christ by offering the comfort that we've received by Jesus to comfort others. So in light of the new bodies that await us, we're called to do something in these bodies, namely to please Christ until we will see him face to face. There's great hope in the gospel of what is ahead, but that's to motivate us for life right in front of us. Paul wrote to give us hope. Not hope in these failing, frail bodies that we experience in various ways. But he wrote about a hope of a body that awaits us, a resurrection body for those who receive the genuine gospel. Paul wrote earlier in his first letter, if Christ has not been raised... And the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. If Jesus is not raised, our aim in life should be to please ourselves. But if Christ has been raised, our aim in life is not to please ourselves, but to please Christ, whom we will be with one day, whom we will be raised with one day. Whom we will stand before one day. So friends, new bodies await us. So until then, let's please Christ in these bodies. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us to know these gospel truths of the eternal hope that you give us, of life with you, with resurrected new bodies like an eternal building, like an eternal wardrobe, more fully clothed, all things made right around us, but also in us. And God, in light of that future hope, I pray that you would help us by your spirit to make it our aim to please you in all that we do, longing to be with you, longing for that day and giving ourselves fully to the work of spreading your glory and your fame in the world. Help us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.